Beck, and I am the chairman of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers uh, for the state of Texas. Appreciate you joining the program here today. We were also talking a little bit beforehand. You've got some um, land up in the Bakken area as well, so you've got not only a familiarity with the Texas oil and gas area, but at least a pulse on up in the North Dakota area, huh? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, my grandfather homesteaded up there, took the train to Belfield, and if he'd gone north, I would have been in the Bakken play, and but he went south, so all I've got is uh, dry farming. Huh, okay. Well, there, you know, there is some uh, natural gas down by that Amadon area. Of course, Bowman is waiting for the Tyler play to get cracking again with Marathon and Continental Resources down there with a pretty good foothill but anyway let's we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about texas because the president donald trump president donald trump was just down in was it crosby texas talk to me a little bit about what happened down there i mean it's been all over the news but you know you're down there boots on the ground area so you you hear the 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 good the bad the ugly and everything with it with it so talk to (laughs) us a little bit about the trump visit yes he he came down uh to uh, crosby texas uh, he wanted to uh, visit a, uh, a a construction site there, uh, unionized construction site, and then he wanted to sign two executive orders while he was there. So he came in and uh, got good uh, good applause from everybody that was there, and I think they were all very appreciative of the fact that he took the time to come down and talk about how uh, he was going to try to help the uh, pipeline industry improve their results and get more pipeline built uh, inside and across the country. Now, you're down in Texas. Um, what Are there issues with pipelines down there? I'm not familiar with the uh, Texas pipeline politics. I'm familiar with the Keystone pipeline politics. I'm familiar with the Dakota Access pipeline politics. I'm familiar with the idiosyncrasies of the North Dakota Bakken We'll even say down into Wyoming, uh, Montana area, but Texas not so much. Are there are there hurdles? I guess down there, regulatory issues. Just talk to me a little bit about that pipeline regulatory issues and um, that sort of thing. I know this is symbolic for federal and et cetera, but just uh, use it as a platform to talk about the pipelines down there. Well, we have the the same pipeline problems in Texas that we have nationwide uh, because of the huge oil boom uh, drilling for shales in the Permian Basin. They now estimate that the potential oil reserves in the Permian Basin are anywhere between 500 billion and 1.5 trillion barrels of oil. And there really has not been any major pipelines built out of that area since the 60s. So with these tremendous wells that they're bringing on, uh, it completely overloaded the pipeline situation, getting oil uh, from the Permian Basin, which is in the Midland, Odessa area, uh, down to the Gulf Coast refineries. And so there has been a huge push to build new, both natural gas lines and oil lines to get this uh, production out of West Texas. And uh, we've found a tremendous resistance to building new pipelines uh, from that area in in the state of Texas. So we're currently fighting uh, battles right now. The, the, the legislature here in Texas it meets biann- biannually. And um, right now there's a big battle going on trying to change uh, 
some of the eminent domain rules to make it a little more fair and balanced so that uh, both the ranchers here in uh, the state of Texas and the pipelines can work out a, an equitable solution to being able to build the number of pipelines that they need to build to get the oil and natural gas out of the Permian Basin and down to the Gulf Coast and into uh, actually Mexico. Mexico is going to be one of our big takers for natural gas. Well, Mexico is salivating to get exactly the natural gas. That's a story we've been covering for several years here on our program that's that's um, always seemed to end up with a bottleneck in the Permian. And that's kind of what you're talking about there is, is, is a bottleneck, aren't you? That it just seems that if there was a little bit more of, uh, you know, different different areas. You, you mentioned Corpus Christi with the Gulf. Uh, Ian Vasey uh, has been on our program with the Economic Development Council here a number of times talking about the major investments in Corpus Christi. Uh, Lauren Scott, Dr. Lauren Scott from Louisiana State, he's uh, with the economics and does oil and gas. He's mentioned Lake Charles as a big investment in the petrochemical industries especially. So when I look at the Permian and all the different tentacles that they can pipeline to from Lake Charles to Corpus Christi to, I suppose, even up to Kansas, uh, up to Cushing up there, uh, is, is that how you're looking at it too? Is that there's the Permian is just is it bottlenecking? Is it is it a hub? It just seems like there's so much more that could come out of there, and there's stuff coming from other shale plays too. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. No, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, what we're finding is that uh, along with the tremendous amount of oil that we're producing, uh, there's a lot of what we call casing head gas that is being produced in the Permian Basin. So we have a huge bottleneck. Every pipeline out of the Permian Basin right now is full. So as you drill a well and you put it online, you can't really produce the oil because there's no room in any of the pipelines. So what happens in that case is that you see a huge differential. They'll say, ah, we can pay you $15 below uh, NYMEX pricing uh, to take your oil. So there's just a major, major problem. And uh, so a lot of companies are just drilling wells and uh, not producing them. They're what we call ducks. And uh, we've got thousands of wells sitting in the Permian Basin uh, waiting to be completed and put online once the pipelines uh, to the Gulf Coast, uh, to Corpus Christi, down to Beaumont. Uh, I think Exxon's spending $2 billion to expand uh, their Beaumont facilities uh, to... Uh, Lake Charles and to build the new facilities down in Corpus. It's just uh, a huge uh, project waiting to be developed. And uh, so uh, we're seeing all of those problems facing us right now out of the Permian Basin. And just kind of recap real quick, bring it back to the uh, President Trump coming to Crosby, Texas, to sign some of these executive orders. Um this will then at least help some uh, some of the issues in terms of whether it's streamlining or fast tracking or just clearing up some of the red tape so that some of these issues will be resolved. That's kind of the idea is that the executive orders will trickle down to allow some of this fluidity to happen. Well, there's there's two executive orders that were signed. The first one is for international pipelines that are being built. So that includes Keystone. 
And mm-hmm. what he signed there was that uh, he has the right to approve that pipeline to be built uh, once the uh, State Department has reviewed all the environmental impacts and everything. And uh, he can say, hey, if I want to approve it, I can approve it and it can be built. And so we anticipate there will definitely be a legal challenge to that. But uh, apparently he has some pretty good lawyers working for him and they think uh, very positively that uh, that will be approved. And that Second, should, but, but that should open the doors for some stuff down in Mexico and Texas too, correct? As far as the international part? Well, that one is just strictly international. The second order that he wrote, or he approved, was uh, to help building of pipelines that cross state lines. Right now, Mm -hmm. states like New York and Washington have really essentially put a halt to pipelines being built in their states uh, based on international, on uh, environmental grounds. Yeah. Uh, And uh, so what he has done is he said, okay, you guys, you can't, we're going to honor the Clean Water Act, but uh, you guys can't just arbitrarily stop pipelines from being built because it eliminates the ability to provide uh, affordable energy uh, to you know the people in the country. And uh, so he's trying to uh, facilitate the building of pipelines, uh, which will help us here in Texas a little bit. But most of our pipelines are intrastate. They don't cross state lines, and so the feds don't get involved in that. Now, most of the studies that we've done up here in the northern part of the United States indicate that pipelines are still the safest way to transport oil and gas. Is that true down south, too? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Okay, good. Uh, Good to see our science is matching up on the northern and southern parts of the country. (laughs) Yeah, we don't, uh, though his, his regulations would allow for transport of uh, liquefied natural gas in rail cars uh, if they wanted to do that. But that is by far much less safe than uh, by doing it with pipelines. So, uh, Oh, well, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of pipelines, actually, for the environment, to be honest. Oh. I mean, not, not only are, are, is it safe and a number of other things, but it's, it's the most um, ener- environmentally friendly way to do it. Absolutely. Takes- no, you're right. Yeah. So, I mean, it takes the engines off the road, takes the safety precautions. I love it. I think it's great. Um, I'm I'm very happy with these um, executive orders. I think they were long overdue. And I appreciate you coming on to uh, talk about that. I I did want to ask you about uh, one of the other things that the Permian and the Bakken have in common, uh, which is flaring. And the the, the natural gas is for, in terms of the, the science projects that, that kind of, you know, they're trying to eliminate it and trying to reduce it and, you know, the number of things. And these pipelines are going to be uh, a huge godsend to, to capturing that gas. And pe- people forget that. that that's, that's one of the main reasons why there, there is an issue of flaring is because just the pipeline capacity is not there. But with the investments in Lake Charles and uh, Corpus Christi, for example, the pipelines that come on, but for me, what I've said on this program is science project, guys, this is your opportunity to shine. And so are, are you seeing any of these guys that are kind of stepping up in terms of they're called value added, I think, within the industry? I call them science projects because they got to prove what Lee Tillman told us on our program, which is it's very expensive to move a hydro 
molecule, hydrocarbon molecule from Texas to Southeast Asia, for example. He goes, so until the economics are there, it's very difficult. So um, we've been keeping track on some of these value-added natural gas uh, capture site type things at the wells and a number of different, because there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And, you know, God bless them for, you know, sticking their necks out and trying different things. But it just doesn't seem like any of them have taken off to that next level yet. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Is there any of them that that are that you see potential in? Um, just uh, t talk to me. Uh, I guess react to my long-winded question statement. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, innovation is the name of the game when it comes to trying to handle emissions control, and uh, we've got a number of companies trying many different things down here. Uh, the other big issue that we have here that, that folds right in with that is water production. Mm. Uh, we're producing upwards six million, six billion barrels of water a year. And so they're trying to integrate ways that they can uh, do desalinization with some of the heat or some of the flaring with the natural gas so that you can actually produce uh, water that can be used for irrigation. And uh, so there's a huge area that is is currently being researched that is interesting that is, is really okay. interesting actually the water innovation that's that's the next level you're we're talking about here absolutely i mean that's that's going to be uh, i mean in west texas is normally very dry it has almost no rain and if you could actually harness uh six billion barrels of water a year and uh, turn it into something that could be usable for farmland. It would be a tremendous boom to uh, the state and the country. That would that would actually be a paradigm shift in the agriculture industry. Absolutely. That the, the way that uh, horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracturing changed the oil and gas industry that would turn around and change the ag industry once again. Wow, that's incredible. Um, man, that's I, I didn't expect that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well. You know, it, the, the American spirit is very inventive, and uh, when an opportunity presents itself, we'll find some way to uh, utilize it. So, how's how's business down there? Is it is it booming like like it's supposed to be? You know, we'll kind of wrap up here. By the way, we've got um, Jim Beck with us, the Texas Star Alliance. He's the chairman, and we're talking about Donald Trump down in uh, Crosby, Texas, signing some of the executive orders. What kind of impact that's going to have specifically? Down in Texas, of course, the Permian, which I've read studies, by the way, 70% uh, of the shale activity over the next 30 years is going to come out of the Permian. Now, I don't know if that's been adjusted at all since a couple years ago when I saw that. But what that told me is, is that Texas is going to be doing a lot of the drilling because we're not even mentioning the Eagle Fur to the Haines uh, villas either as far as um, what they are contributing to the shale play USA. But uh, just... Just give us kind of a state of the union down there for Texas and the Permian and everything. Well, right now what we're seeing is uh, probably what you'd say consolidation. Uh, Chevron just announced that they're buying Anadarko primarily because of, for their uh, acreage there in the Permian. We expect Exxon is actually the biggest driller right now in the Permian Basin. So the majors are moving in there. Uh, but right now we're sort of in a holding pattern until those pipelines can be built. We're mm -hmm. actually seeing some layoffs occurring in the industry because uh, there's just not that much activity because we can't get the products out to market. So uh, we're in a holding pattern. It's sort of flat right now. 
And uh, once those pipelines are built, uh, Katie, bar the door, you're going to see things really booming down here in Texas. Any final thoughts? I'd like to give guests kind of the uh, final word without a question framed by me in case they want to reiterate something or we missed something or they got a good chili recipe, whatever. doesn't matter. We're open to, <laughs> we're open to anything on final thoughts here. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm looking forward. I, I get back to North Dakota at least two or three times a year get to my farm and I really love it up there. So uh, I really appreciate North Dakota and it's, it's a big change when you leave a, a city with a population of about 5 million and get out to the country where you know, your nearest neighbor is three miles away. So it's, it's really lovely and I really appreciate North Dakota and it, it's a fantastic place.